Rough Trade are giving away a free album exclusively to 101 part-time jobs listeners. That's you. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade album of the month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with exclusive bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code 101POD this March and you'll get the Rough Trade Album of the Month exclusive pressing of Masterpiece's debut, How to Make a Masterpiece, on green and yellow swell vinyl, completely free of charge. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store, and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. Don't want Album of the Month, but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using 101Pod and you'll still get the first month free. So don't hang around. This offer is only available in March and limited to the first 150 signups. Go to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the voucher code 101Pod. That's 101POD and claim your first month free. This offer is available to UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder, where I speak to artists and people who are musicians and make art and ask them how they do it, what their day-to-day is, how they've been able to prioritize it over most else in their life and 
quite often other things, other things they do like studying, like reading that can enhance their art, which on today's episode is true for Ben Gregory. Ben is known for being in the pretty raucous band Blind Avon, who got pretty popular when they were teenagers and they were thrown into a routine of touring and making records and really living the band life full time at the age of 18, I think. Um, it was around that time I started working at the pub after my band had dissolved and I was lucky enough to meet a couple of people, including Ben's brother, Ollie. So shout out, Ollie. Thanks for introducing us. Thanks for introducing me to Blind Avon. And Ben is just this remarkable songwriter. The latest EP, Bodied, just came out and so did a live version of Same Mistakes, which features Marika Hackman on bass. Lovely track. Ben has just got such a wonderful way of lyrics um, and imagery. I'm really drawn to it. And I think a lot of people, I went to see him at Lexington and there was just such a swell of energy in the crowd. And that is so special. It can be playing to 20 people or 200. Uh, but when an energy like that in the room, it was an amazing thing to witness, amazing thing to be there for. So I'm really thankful to speak to Ben on this episode. Cheers for listening. 101 part-time jobs is completely run by myself from my spare room at home. I just got some influencer lights, so that shows you how fucking serious I am. If you want to subscribe to the show, it means you'll get episodes delivered when they come out. And if you're able to rate or review the show, that does us some good with numbers. I got two live shows coming up, two live podcasts with an audience, doing it with Bob Villain at Bush Hall at the start of December. And in January, we're doing one with Idols and Joe Talbot, um, which is sold out. But I'm looking to do more. Um, if you want to keep up to date, 101parttimejobs.com. That's where all the information's at. 2000 Trees Festival in Cheltenham, just a few hours away on the train from London, has, has announced its mega lineup for 2024. The Gaslight Anthem is headlining, Hot Mulligans playing, Manchester Orchestra, some classic names across indie rock and alternative music. Still loads of names to be announced, and every year there's always a good mix of hardcore, punk, acoustic, more melodic stuff. I love 2000 Trees. I've been, I've played, I've reviewed, I've interviewed there and I'm going again next year. If you'd like to join me, you can get your tickets at 2000trees.co.uk and if you get them before the end of the month, before the end of the year, then you can get a free refund if you find out that actually you can't make it, which I do all that. I, I do that all the time. 2000trees.co.uk. It's a brilliant independent festival. It's a great feeling there. Uh, if you haven't been, you should really give it a go. 2000trees.co.uk. Right now is the cheapest you can get tickets for it. Okay, before we get into this chat, I've got Rebecca from Eka and also Ampolo here. Ampolo is the first all-in-one app connecting a global community of musicians to practice, record and collaborate. And there's some new features coming on there, aren't there, Rebecca? You can start making money as an artist. Other artists can remix your songs. What's going on over there? It's quite exciting. You've heard it here first, but there'll be a place within the app you as an artist can sell your track and people can get creative with it so it's a new revenue stream for artists so it's very exciting a good thing to do right now is to create the profile get sharing and be there at the beginning all right and polo download it now you're listening to 101 part-time jobs with me giles bidder here's the bodied ben gregory
we're always going to be so centered around London. So I think moving into London, that's a cliche in itself, really. Or Manchester. Yeah. I guess it feels like it's the only option when you grow up in, I don't know, sort of suburb in the near of that city, right? You're like, yeah. oh, I need to make it. I'm going to get up there. Yeah. Um, and for most yeah. people, and we got it ends that, very quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very, like, you get quite easily disenfranchised and exhausted there. Yeah. I was quite happy yeah. to not live anywhere near there for a bit. Um, Manchester kind of changed my life in a really wonderful way. Really? How? Um, I think it was just the exact fresh start and sort of rethink that I that I needed in that moment. Mm. I'd obviously been quite ill and then the sort of band wasn't working together anymore. And I just had so many associations with both London and Hampshire that I couldn't really stomach anymore. And yeah. um, I'd wanted to study for, you know, since I was sort of 18. It's something I've been putting off and putting off because of because of the band. Um, and then obviously the pandemic was totally horrible in essentially every way. But I did get the moment to think, okay, it's quite a drastic cleft in which I can kind of rethink where I'm going yeah. and build up the confidence to try something new and start studying again and make my brain work because it had definitely sort of hmm I don't know got a bit more <laughs> liquid yeah <laughs> during yeah. being in the being in the van all the time that kind of um, dead wood kind of feeling yeah just like I had to really, really retrain myself with sort of how education worked and how reading, not just for fun and not just like comic books, essentially. Yeah. So the only thing I was really reading was like X-Men origin stories. And then I had to go into sort of um, suddenly open up some like thick theory texts, whatever. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, that was, I don't know, it was a big part of it, especially after, yeah, I don't want to keep mentioning being ill but after sort of um that's well, a big part of your life yeah yeah it's a big part of my life but um, in, in recent years you know hopefully yeah. in the future it won't be a big thing you know but as of now you know as imagine it you know it is it's a part of your it's a fact of your life for the last few years yeah and um i think like everyone not just working in creative industries but anyone sort of trying to pursue like dreams or goals um it's quite easy to get quite sad about your state of things especially when we're sort of constantly forced to be comparing ourselves with everyone else that mm. we know or don't know but see mm. um and that's it's quite a good reminder that i have sometimes to be like nah if you look sort of whenever it was three or four years ago how difficult things were i'm feeling pretty good about where i've got now that degree is going very well had overall very successful time in berlin and what have i made made like two and a half albums during like reading weeks and that so brilliant that's pretty Fuck strong so yeah shout, shout out myself I guess. yeah fucking shout out ben <laughs> the way i see it with playing in bands is that i guess i'm speaking to like a particular time of band life between the ages of like 15 and 25 for example you know like you're you're growing and you're becoming like an adult in mm -hmm. the the you know you start this thing and it becomes it consumes you 
and you're always kind of looking in and you're rewarded for that if it goes well. You know, you have these years of reward. And then at some point, as life just does for anyone, no matter what you're doing, it changes, like things change. Mm. And so kind of keeping with that change and not looking backwards is, and I'm talking, you know, you and anyone else who's played in bands to various degrees of success, whatever success meant to them, that's going to be like a really hard thing to always not look back on, you know, and to look forward and to real and to know and learn that the world is a huge, ginormous place. And there are these very thick books that you can read as well as the X-Men books, <laughs> you know, and you don't have to like hold yourself to anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess the way I try and frame that now for, for a long time, it was like quite painful and quite different, uh, quite difficult to think about just because of sort of the way it ended for everyone. And, and having to stop largely because of like health reasons, which just obviously felt very, very unfair after we'd all, like the sort of main thing we'd all worked on for a decade. Like we were in that, in the band for a decade, which yeah. even though we stopped when we were like 24. Um, but, but now I'm kind of, yeah, again, it's like an act of reminding oneself, but sort of thinking, yeah, just because it's over doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. Which is, you know, which sounds like pseudo profound in a really gross way. But I, like, I mean, yeah, like things do end naturally and that's mm -hmm. totally cool and had the most wonderful times. Yeah. I think that's like the aim, right? To look back on things and be like, that was sick. And obviously real life isn't straightforward. It comes with its complications and its battles. Um, and if you can try and sum up something and be like, that was sick, that happened, that was real life, that that was real, and now I can move forward and, and keep on doing stuff and try and use that kind of as a, not as a springboard, that sounds kind of crude, but you know what I mean? Use that as kind of like my experience. That's my experience in the world, and I'm going to use mm. that to the best of my ability to keep on making cool stuff or learning or doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, I guess just like a chapter and a yeah. very, very funny and very silly one. <laughs> um, but yeah it was wicked I mean you know turned 21 in Texas rad what else can you wish for man <laughs> I remember seeing some of the photos I actually never caught you live but I see I remember seeing really? some of the oh, li right. live photos and it was just chaos <laughs> total carnage yeah it was amazing it was like completely dedicated and yeah boisterous young people mm -hmm like smashing themselves to bits and screaming very emo words. Yeah. Maybe didn't seem as emo at the time that they were. Um, yeah. You should be very proud. Wonderful friends through all those cool things. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship with lyrics like? Cause you mentioned there like, Sometimes, you know, at the t at, but this will happen like whether you're 14, whether you're 24, whether you're 30, you know, it's just going to, it will always, it's a fact of life. Like we'll say things now that we think may be profound, you know, maybe poetic or just kind of how we feel now. You, me, anyone, everyone is going to look back on diary entries, poetry, songs and think, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, I learned a lot <laughs> since then. That's just the way it is. You yeah. Know? I just think it's. I just think it's cool, mainly to have that type of diary, like you say, that, yeah, just marks all the essential 
like affirming and difficult moments in my life that exists yeah. forever and will indeed outlive me on the internet. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of on my mind a little bit now because I just got back to Manchester and went to, I had a, a lock-up that had a lot of my, my gear while I was in Berlin mm. um, and found a box that is just full of diaries and notes that I'm kind of looking at right now, which is why I keep looking to my left. Yeah. And I'd never been a deliberate diary keeper in the sense of sort of making myself do it evening, eveningly or whatever. But um, yeah, I feel fortunate that I always had that artistic outlet and way of yeah like giving an extended life to to moments that could otherwise have been fleeting was it always were you always going to be a creator were you always going to be an artist um even if the yeah, band know. wouldn't have you know kicked off <laughs> i think i was always going to be a rock star <laughs> are your words not <laughs> was, fucking mine i was I was thinking about it. Um, I was thinking about it this morning, actually. Um, I remember being when I was how old are you in year five? Oh, like thirteen, maybe I, twelve, thirteen. No, younger than that. Really? Like I think like maybe like ten or eleven, and sort of talent show, or whatever it was, just like an end of year show. And uh, I remember um, I played Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix, obviously, on, on my guitar with this little, um, I've actually got it there, like, clip-on Marshall amp that you, like, goes into, into your trousers or whatever. And um, in front of, like, all these sort of cross-legged children, like, fellow children in front of me. Um, and that was my moment, and that felt completely normal at the time from my... <laughs> like upbringing my relationship with my dad of like oh, obviously I'll go play a Jimi Hendrix song that's like largely about drugs um, and it felt cool and normal and scary but I think just from a very early age I really liked I don't know I think putting myself in positions that were difficult and fear inducing and like overcoming it and the kind of thrill of that so mm. Mm. yeah I guess that's what the stage is and just yeah playing rock licks <laughs> and skateboarding yeah. you and your friends are all quite good at skateboarding that was one of my first impressions of meeting your brother and then you and seeing clips yeah. of you, and there's some, some definitely at least one music video where you're skating I mean what you just said there you know kind of fear inducing a challenge you know, something that you really kind of have to throw yourself into that skating as well as music, right? That's completely true. Although I should add that when it came to sort of physical danger, I was never <laughs> as good at the risk um, in comparison to like psychological danger. So skating, <laughs> like my brother is very much the skater in the family and, you know, like the, the sort of holy trinity of uh, Ollie and Tom and Luke from... <laughs> like 2009 up into the present day um those were the, the the skaters and the like guys i looked up to a lot um and then i did i did a bit but i was always so paranoid about breaking wrists and ending mm. careers that i kind of it was, i could never was never mm. that banging at it although frank was very very good at it but i do do a um no comply front shove in the orthodox man video so yeah that is that. 
a no comply front shove is in that video is fucking sick. <laughs> They're so hard. I saw it on my friend, yeah. Uh, it's like, it was like the only thing that I could just do every time. So <laughs> don't know why. It was like it was like my go to trick. I think it's because of the safety of like putting my foot down, right? But I yeah. saw my friend Andy the other day. And he was like, "Yeah, that's I always remember. I remember remember your band so much for that from that um, that front shove in that in that video." And I was like, "If that is my legacy, I'm so pumped. That's sick. That's so good." Did you ever get to that stage? You know, I'm definitely projecting here because I'm kind of still in that stage at 32, where like I never quite felt like I had my feet in the ground on the ground in terms of like having like a real stable. Um, and, and I mean like mentally, of course, but like physically as well, like kind of money in the bank, you know what I mean? Like having a bedroom, having somewhere to create and paint or play music or do something like this. Did you get that when, you know, when you, when you were like 18 and leaving school and the band was doing things, did you have a period of time where you like became an adult? Do you think? No, I think, no, I think the opposite of that. I think that's the big problem with being in a, a band or an artist when you're very young because you sort of go straight from school into that and just remain forever in some like, weird infant state where it's it's not healthy but sort of tour manager becomes like all forms of parent and carer mm. and I just sort of regressed and never learned to be like a proper functioning person for which I later paid the consequences um, but I didn't, what you, that's completely, yeah. And I know what you mean about the sort of lack of stability and how frustrating and sort of alienating that can be. Because a long time when we were sort of seemingly doing quite well in terms of like touring a lot and releasing a lot of music, we were all living at home, um, like with our parents. So we sort of go away for weeks or like, sometimes a few months and feel like we sort of in, in to that extent like made it and we're living the dream of doing the music and then that stops and then you go back and literally nothing has changed mm. and you're like you know cleaning your terrapins tank out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, so. and the, the, it's like the knock-on effects of that as it, it is like the is the is the thing isn't it because you just feel like you haven't progressed yeah and and, you know, it's hard because, yeah, but I don't know, we're very lucky that we like, had safe and nice places to be when yeah. not travelling. But it did get a bit difficult when you're sort of trying to remember that you are a proper adult and that this is actually like a proper job, despite the name of this podcast. Have, you, have your lyrics kind of evolved, do you think? You know, what you're writing about and the kind of like the, the, the voice in your head? Um yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I can tell, I can sort of place when songs were written often and, and, and note what I would have been reading for what module or course at that time, which is quite <laughs> right. funny. So yeah. I have a sort of map of my studies here. Like, um, yeah, like Deathbed Hangover, for example, just... I'd never read H.G. Wells' The Time Machine before and I was doing a science fiction course um, and we were studying that and like critiquing that and that definitely made its way quite blatantly into the song, which I've now given away. 
Great name. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, yeah, I think um, I spend a lot of time with words now, like German words and English words, and mm. it's meant that I've got a lot of, yeah, I'm like very specific, I think, now about like word choices in songs. Have you got into learning German? How far did you get into it? It, it was more than, because you can live in Berlin and just speak English, right? I feel like most people I've met in Berlin who are from England or the States speak English. Yeah, that that's a big part of the culture out there. Um, I, luckily, I had a lot of German friends already from uh, meeting cool people in music yeah. circle, music stuff over the years. So I had a sort of place to arrive in and try and get into the language as much as possible. Because my, my degree is German and English literature, so my German was pretty good. And then, yeah, got a bit better out there. Um but yeah, it, it, in that city, it is something you have to quite sort. Of, you have to sort of force to some extent. I think. Yeah. Um, it's quite easy to just speak English, which is fine, but not ideal when you're going to be graded on your <laughs> precision when you return to your home uni. Yeah, yeah. I always often I st I studied journalism sort of in my late 20s because I didn't know what else to do and to be honest I just wanted the student loan and hopefully I'll never pay yeah. back the 60 grand that I owe them um, but I, I I did a very bad job and I don't even know if I, if I did it again now I don't know if I'd be any better you know but I had a very I did a very bad job of like school was there and like real life was there and I, I found them really hard to like overlap and if they did overlap I feel like I would have been very uh, I would I would have been rewarded for it do you know mm. what I mean? So I, th I wonder if like speaking German and going to gigs that you could kind of overlap that because you'd be in social environments where you can speak German. Yeah, ex exactly. I, th I think that's why going to uni a little bit later um, can be so positive because you're just so, I don't know, you're a lot more aware of your proper passions and your mm self in a way I guess and you're yeah. not just looking at it as a sort of abstract academic pursuit of like oh I need to get uni done and do these bits and tick it off and finish it it kind of I feels like I feel like there's more time for me to yeah the like cool books I'm reading and whatever just think about yeah how I actually feel about them in my real life and where they make their way into songs and yeah etc instead of just I need to sort of smash this out and finish it. Because I guess everyone's sort of led to believe they have to go to university at 18, otherwise they won't have a shot at life. And then it just feels like an extension of school and just trying to get it over and done with and tick the boxes and mm. get out, which I feel can be quite yeah, disenfranchising, maybe. Definitely. I think we, I mean, I, I, I say it quite a lot on this, but like we, we're, we're in that kind of generation where like we're told from a pretty young age and, oh, you can do, we can do anything, you know, we can, we can do anything we'd like and move anywhere. And that makes things a lot harder. <laughs> I think that made things fucking mm. harder, you know, cause it's like, it's confusing. <laughs> you know, there's enough going on as a teenager. You don't need to make it extra confusing being like, well, what should I move to Australia or South yeah. America? You know, it's, it's a lot. But did bodied? Did you write that in in Berlin? Did you write that in your bedroom? Um, most of those songs, I think actually all of those songs were, were written in Manchester um, before I'd gone to Berlin and then recorded during a semester 
pause in April. I came back to promote episode a bit and do some little installs and um, went to studio with Charlie Andrew, which is sick because I'm such a big fan of his. Who's Charlie and Andrew again? So Charlie Andrew has made, I think, all or at least most of Marika's albums and then Alt-J albums. Marika Hackman. Yeah, yeah, Marika Hackman's album and Alt-J albums. And it's just a very talented guy um, with a really good perspective on, I don't know, like nuances of recording music and how does that um, work because i guess that you know there'd probably be lots of people thinking like how do, you know producers for in my definition my definition of a producer could basically mean like anything between someone who's a good energy in the room or mm. someone who's actually writing the music and you're basically in a band together in the studio what is like in like layman's terms like what is what does a day look like with charlie you know well when he when he first met them you know did you kind of get a feel for each other and decide you're going to work together or yeah. did you go straight into it? Be like, okay, let's write some songs this morning. Now. Um, we, we'd started, we'd worked together um, on a song a lot of years ago. So, and we knew each other a little bit still and had hung out and just, I think enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but, but to what you say about, yeah, the sort of, parameters of what it can mean to be a producer i think with charlie it was very much on like the most active side it could be of that kind of that kind of spectrum there, there were a lot of the time it was just me and him in the studio and there were times where he was like engineering and producing and doing drum takes and playing saxophone solos awesome. um while i because i'm like really not that good as computers and that's so why i had to make sure i like pressed space or r or whatever it was right and yeah. he'd like shout that through through the glass um to make sure i didn't you know miss miss his sort of wonder take that he was about to do that sounds um, fun and, and it was yeah it was really it was really fun it was like one of the best weeks i've had in yeah in my life probably I had a really really wonderful time um and yeah i don't know i enjoyed the dynamic of um we had some. We had. We did have some other really nice people involved, like like Alex Patterson. But when also it was just when it was me and Charlie, I quite liked the sort of the fact that it was two people because there was like there's like nowhere to hide from each other, <laughs> um, and every di every sort of idea or, or or theory is like the person is like directly faced with it, and you can't sort of turn and see other perspective or what's going on. From mm. from other points of view, so it was it was just very like quite intimate, yeah. um, and cool. he's he's just really talented guy, and claims to like not play the drums or saxophone that much anymore, and then we'll go <laughs> in and just completely schmang it straight away. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, right? Talking so about cute. music, <clears throat> I kind of you know kind of see you in there, see you see that in you a little bit, and I do the same, and where you kind of. You talk quite earnestly. Talking about music earnestly can sometimes sound a bit like if, when you, when it's you talking about it, you feel like, oh, am I sounding naff right now? But I think that's yeah, one thing I've grown like up. <laughs> but but like fuck that. That's like if we care about it this yeah. much, like I don't care if I sound a bit like of a dweeb or trying to describe music, someone else's or whatever, you know? Because it's like you got to try. Like I think that's the whole thing here is to like if you believe in something, give it effort. That's the least yeah. it deserves. 
Yeah, thanks, man. No, it's nice to be sincere about things that, like, I obviously care loads about that music and about that EP and about the process of making that EP and about working with someone like Charlie. So yeah, it's nice to to be to be honest about how wonderful it was instead of sort of um, you know got in the studio like <laughs> yeah it was alright. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 101, and it seems like from my perception of like transgressive and that kind of world that they have because I remember reading this great interview with them where they, they I think I think it was before the label you might be able to tell me wrong here but it was before the label and they were doing sort of like interviews in like kind of like a blog maybe even pre-youtube time yeah. where they went to go interview mike skinner and then there's oh, right. a great interview on youtube of of either is it is it two of them there or they were interviewing mike skinner in a pub in brixton and these were the really early days and i kind of read into it as like these are two people who had an idea and just fucking sent it you know and yeah. just used all their resources to build something cool, creative, inviting, you know, a lot of that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. I just get a bit, I get, I get pumped when, um, when people are saying about how cool transgressive are, cause they are extremely cool and extremely good people. Um, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's, they had some, wild and ambitious ideas when they were both or when all of them were probably sort of I don't know 15, 16 I think Toby was like promoting shows when he was like 15 in London or something silly like that um, yeah I don't, don't want to contribute to the sort of um, myth there but something like that um, <laughs> and yeah like they just do make decisions exclusively on the love of and such a varied varied like genres of music and there's I've never seen anything at all um like cynical it's just always been about putting out things that they really really believe in and mm. very honored to be a part of it to be honest yeah. and as kind of a label or as an artist when you're working together it is um and I'm, I'm sort of putting this against the backdrop of growing up and being like you know the idea of signing to a, a major record label or even an agency or even just kind of this this kind of abstract idea of like a bigger uh corporation you know what i mean like plugging into that you know the antidote of that is making your own thing and then kind of i don't want to say like fending for yourselves because that puts like a negative spin on it but like you know 
being like, this is us. We really need to work for this and make this work. And we kind of need to be smart and very intelligent mm. about it and have some kind of strategy whilst also keeping that lightning in a bottle teenage feeling of, you know, yeah. building your thing. It's a rare thing, you know, and, and to make that sustainable is, um, there's lots of moving parts there, I imagine. And, um, and you're, you're privy to that. Yeah, well, it is that, that, yeah, I like how you put that. It is the lightning in the bottle teenage thing I mean, and, and you sort of you don't you don't age like as a, <laughs> yeah. as a label or as a, as a person if you always just I guess commit to your most extreme and wild interests um, so yeah yeah I've got a lot of love for, the, for those people push it push it forward yeah, the EP's great, Ben. I mean, the sound of it and the the instruments that we talked about, Charlie playing and the lyrics are Ace. I mean, I've, I saw you at the Lexington probably last mm. year now. Was it last year? And your your fans are really oh. engaged. The the show with Francis Lung at the Lexington. Yes, exactly. Yeah, with Francis. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. That felt like a bit of a moment. Um, mm, yeah. I guess, especially doing it on my own and without even like sort of backing band or music or anything, I do feel very much like I'm sort of um, like naked with the with the lyrics in front of me not how I wanted to express that but you know what I mean like nothing to hide behind and just the, just the words like very 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 audible which in a way is kind of completely perfect to what I'm trying to do nowadays because I think Bodied is probably the first thing I've released that is so much about the text before the music like the music's very much like a way of framing the sort of stories I'm trying to tell as opposed mm. to starting the other way around. So it feels good, especially when it's a like, attentive and kind audience. So excuse me, to, um, yeah, to, to perform those stories. Yeah. Yeah. It means it's difficult when in, in sort of more difficult shows, it's like, please listen to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. People at the back kind of talking. Please listen to what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, um, I don't yeah. do many shows really, so that's rarely the case, luckily. But um, but yeah, Lexington was great, and I'm sure that I'm playing on the 23rd of November at Courtyard Theatre in London again, and that nice. I'm very sure that there's a lot of family going as well. I'm very sure that that will be similarly um, wholesome. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I mean, a lot of those people have followed you through. It feels like you kind of got a lot of. I mean, unwittingly, sure, but you've got like a lot of friends that are coming with you through your life, you know, fans yeah. of what you've done before who are going to be following you on socials and Instagram and seeing where you're at and, and like being part of your, your journey. That's, that's really special. Yeah. Or it seems really yeah. special, you know. Uh, no, of course it's really special. Um, yeah, I have, I've met some of the most strange and wonderful people that... <laughs> I naturally wouldn't have wouldn't have met yeah. and friendships I guess I'm thinking especially about like Miko 
So I wouldn't have known were it not for not for that career and that's very very strange name blind avon and um your partner yeah, miko no miko's very 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 close friend of mine like little mm -hmm. sister essentially Great. um who, whose family was like from the town blind avon so when she saw the name she was like what in the name of <laughs> hell <laughs> that's really um, funny is this and uh yeah and then she's like the most amazing like, artist and painter and um yeah and um would do these like really really incredible uh, illustrations of, of of the band and we met sort of through her artwork and then we started working together on projects and she sort of designed posters and stuff for the band and yeah we've just been really really good friends ever since then just brilliant send each other cool artwork and that what a great yeah. friendship to have where you can share art. That's like a rare and special thing. Yeah, I was also thinking about that just, just the other day. Like, that's kind of the ideal, right? It's so, it's so great. I just feel like I'm in so many social situations nowadays where it's just people showing each other different things on their phones. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and it makes me so, so sad. Um, and then I guess having, yeah, a friend like Miko when got this sort of crazy little like barn slash studio thing i hope she wouldn't mind me saying this just like got, it's got the most like amazing paintings and artwork all around it and sort of hang out in there and do little drawings or like make stuff out of clay or whatever it is and yeah yeah what well, it's just such a great way to spend time with people 100 percent. yeah i would i would happily i'd love to have the kind and i'm actually kind of doing it now and i'm very appreciative of, of it to wake up at an hour where i can get a coffee and then i have time to go read a book you know just a chapter or even like a page doesn't matter just like do something like that that's not running for the train you know and to get yeah, to yeah. wherever you know wherever i'm supposed to be and then just like make stuff you know in in the spare room that I'm in now is that's my barn, you know, and mm. doing these interviews now is, is like kind of my like creative thing. I like hearing people's stories and trying to like attempting to kind of offer the kind of platform to hear these stories of playing music and being an artist. That makes me feel good. I feel rewarded by that. And in a few years that yeah. might be, I don't know, clay pigeon shooting or something. I don't know. And like, but I'd like to do that. I don't, you know, I, I feel very determined not to live a life where on a regular basis I'm doing things that I don't really care about. I just need yeah. to care about what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I I agree completely. And like clay pigeon shooting, pigeon shooting is a total <laughs> shout, right? Like <laughs> there's so many random and bizarre and awesome hobbies and pursuits that you can take up. Like started learning the saxophone, probably inspired <laughs> by Charlie a lot, to be honest, um, in Berlin and that made for a really cool new friendship and mm. really great new times and like a new approach to writing and composing music. And there's just so much fun and that's not a great example of it, but like free and cheap ways yeah. to do fun, yeah. creative stuff. And I just, yeah, I just dread the idea of like being on my deathbed and like, you're never going to think like, Oh man, I wish I'd wish I'd spent more time on YouTube 
mm-hmm. in my life. I wish I had gone to All Bar One more many 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 more times. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, I spend a lot of time on YouTube and it's fine. But <laughs> I think I YouTube's know, I, great because YouTube's the the place that you can be creative. Like all these people making like making a living out of making funny videos or creative videos. That's cool. That's sick. I think I do agree. I do think that is cool. And I spend I do spend a lot of time on YouTube. I mean, I mean, specifically the feeling of like when you're don't, you're trying to give you, we're always on the run and always so exhausted that on the, not the run or always on the move and always so exhausted that yeah. you like need to, well, I feel like in my case anyway, you'll have to try and sort of quite physically convince yourself to relax in some way. And it's often like, okay, mm-hmm. this is, like, I'm just going to, do nothing and this is going to be great for a bit and you go on youtube and then i I don't know if everyone else does this but you spend way more time like more time looking for something to watch or be entertained by than actually being entertained by anything and it's just this like constant search always this fear because there's so much content that there's like always going to be something better out there that you can find i mean that's the feeling that i don't want to that's the feeling that i don't want to have anymore of like oh like two hours have just gone by of me trying to find the perfect thing instead of just doing something that I know I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's not ultimate maximum pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, Letting it come to you. Kind yeah. of just being open, like, you know, having your kind of like your radar up, having your, um, having your dial up and just receiving it and be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I just, I just feel like everyone's under so much pressure all the time to like constantly be working and constantly be using our time in the most like always in a in a productive way and productive not necessarily sort of in a cultural way but productive in terms of getting you forward in your life Mm -hmm. um and i swore that i wouldn't go on this kind of rant (laughs) no go this is the place this is the place for it but but yeah I feel like this is just, we're now in a climate where it's so difficult to relax. Yeah. And everyone, I don't know, we're always, instead of actually relaxing, we're just probably being sold something to trick us into thinking we're relaxing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, some like weird online tutorial for some strange new thing. And I don't know, just find it a bit frustrating. And want to just sit around and draw stick men totally i mean it feels like all this kind of effort that we're putting our pressure ourselves under pressure for it seems like that's for the benefit of someone else and not ourselves a lot of the time that's what you say about like you don't you don't want to just wait you don't want to just always be running to catch a train which it does it just feels feels like that a lot and Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i was talking to my brother about about what you do now with this with this podcast and it's like heck yeah that's so that's so sick that you started that completely from from scratch and probably just on your own mm. idea without support from anyone else necessarily and because of your like, love and commitment to it, you know, yeah. smashing it, which is, you know. Thank you. So nice to see. Thank you very much. I feel that. Ollie, Ollie says hi. So I say. Love Ollie. Love Ollie. I think there's something actually quite amazing and like brilliant and empowering and all the rest of it of like just making something actually for no reason. I think that's, I think that's really funny and cool. <laughs> 
you know, no one's asked you to do it. And maybe who knows if anyone will enjoy it. But if you could just do something and the only real thing is that if, if you get that feeling in your stomach where you're like, oh yeah, I find this kind of rewarding in a strange way that I don't understand. Like do it. There's no, I know any other reason apart from that. That's fucking, I think that's the best reason that's to sick. do anything. <laughs> that is, and that's, it's hard to find nowadays, but that, that's mm-hmm. completely it. Yeah. Like I, I go to a lot of life drawing classes now, which is something I really, really like to do. And it's like a few hours that are sort of often like total stillness in a way that's really hard to find. And then sometimes I find myself, um, I, 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 I do life drawing in like such a rubbish way where it's normally, it's often sort of one line and I basically always do the head last, which is just the worst idea. And I often find that I've like done this, this body that's all going really, really well. And then the te- because it's one line and because it's in pen, I have to get it right. And then I'm getting to the head and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this drawing is quite good. This drawing is quite good. Don't blow it, don't blow it, don't blow it, don't blow it. And I find myself doing it. And I so often, because of that pressure, I just completely fuck it. And I've got this like really, really, my point of view, like really, really great form. And then this like tiny, like mini Lego head on top of it or something. Um, but that, that was like, that was like an aside, an aside. But, um, and, and then I find myself, if I've done one that I'm really, really proud of, I so want to just be proud of the drawing for it in its own right. And because it's something I love to do and because it's something that I was never very good at and I'm like learning and getting better at. And then there's this like gross creeping thought that comes in of like, oh, that's quite a good one. Maybe I can post it. And then it's like, no. It's funny how. That's what I'm is, trying to outrun. Yeah. The idea that isn't I'm that funny? It for the sake of the content. Mm, isn't it funny? You know, you can go somewhere with a friend or whoever you're with and it's like, oh, oh you take a photo and your first thing is, is like, oh, cool. I could post that to the Instagram. Yeah. You're like, no, you don't want to. Do that maybe later on the train ride home when you're kind of knackered out and you're like, oh, this is a nice way to, you know, yeah. remember this time. But in the moment, you don't want to think of that in the moment. No, and it, I felt I feel sad and guilty when I when I do feel like that, and it's like, but I don't know. I guess being aware of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. with with the photo, we just have this sort of intense desire for immediacy, where it's like. I'll be walking down the street and it's like, oh, I wonder what that word is in German or whatever. <laughs> or like who or what year that happened or like why Jimi Hendrix pans his vocals so massively. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, and then even though I'm walking down the street, it's like, I must know this immediately. I need to, I need to know this right, right, right now. And then you find yourself like getting your phone out and sort of head down, despite there being this potential, like amazing view in front of you, maybe when mm-hmm. always it's fine to just, be curious about stuff and like wonder about stuff mm-hmm. and have um like suppose or like have have ideas or suspicions about things and I'm, i miss having conversations where you're just chatting about chatting about things and someone's got some like maybe completely bizarre <laughs> hypothesis but you yeah. get the time to like bullshit about it and <laughs> yeah and explore it and like have this crap but amazing conversation instead of now everything like there's always a sort of debunker out there mm-hmm. who's like phone out immediately mm-hmm. and I, just, I find myself missing like getting stuff wrong and like not knowing yeah and not not like bad or dangerous things but just I don't know, like, things how much 
the transfer of Alan Smith cost. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, isn't it? And you're from like a fairly big, well, there's not big family, but I think you've got a similar size family to mine, which is sort of like five people. And my family's a bit scattered now, but I think that kind of enjoyment of that debate maybe comes from the kind of the dinner table kind of experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Likely. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. That's funny, man. What kind of debates are your family having? What have you got in store this Christmas? Well, we, it was my dad's 70th and we kind of, we're becoming friends again after when I was a teenager, parents broke up. And I honestly, it sounds bizarre to say, I didn't speak with him for, for like four years. Like, you know, hi on my birthday, but we didn't hang out. He never, he didn't call me. And, you know, this is like all stuff that I'm sort of coming to terms with as an adult. And like forgiveness is a big part. But just, it was a 70th, last week and last few years we become friends and my sister had the great idea of having like 70 memories of dad and it kind of re I kind of re I unlocked all these memories of like my dad had this idea to there was a big hill on our road and my dad was always talking about like coning off either end so we could skate down it you know or like these kind of crazy ideas where he'd wrap us up in duvets and like throw us out the window and it's just these kinds of things that never really happened but we loved debating it and like there's that story of like my dad um there at the Watford Gap service station and he used to sort of hitchhike around and knocked on like the door of uh status quo's blacked out limousine <laughs> and he asked for a, like a ride and they gave like a pregnant pause of like five seven seconds and then told him to fuck himself and these kinds of brilliant stories that like um like those it's, it's kind of lore isn't it it's kind of myth yeah. and those kinds of you don't know where i love that and i have friends like that now and they're, they're you know they're, they're the friends that i feel most connected with where you could literally be talking for you know a lot you know someone could be telling a, a, a long story elongated story and you and you know that there are lies and truths in there <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> but, but it's fine yeah of course yeah. it's fine yeah. i wonder i wonder what's going through their heads for those seven seconds or are they just trying to deliver the ultimate fuck you i think they would require the break or exactly like, maybe it's time maybe let's do it guys yeah we'll maybe just like give, let him think him for a yeah. moment <laughs> hey ben thanks so much for doing this I, I appreciate it i love these kinds of stories yeah oh we're done that was i, th- I think so nice, man is that good for you? Yeah, I had a good time. I was really Brilliant. nervous at the start and thought I was going to be like, ah, the whole time. But then I started <sighs> ranting about phones and then that's my element, sadly. <laughs> so there was Ben Gregory here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Check out the live video of Same Mistakes featuring Marika Hackman. Um, it's great. That embodied the EP, of course. On Transgressive Records, out now. This is my 299th episode I'll be back on Thursday with Kurt Vile to celebrate. See you then. If you're able to subscribe or leave a rating or a review on this show uh, on Apple or Spotify, that'd be massively appreciated. That helps my numbers and keep these things on the straight and narrow. Thank you so much if you're able to do that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.